Right, I remember when Brother Gerald changed the words too. And the Bible tells me so, and he wanted to add something to that because the Bible tells us about the cross and what Jesus accomplished on that cross. And so he would sing that verse and say, Mount Calvary tells me so. I know it because the cross tells me so. There's nothing that communicates the love of God any stronger or louder than the cross. The cross shouts, I love you for God so loved the world. Hallelujah. And I appreciate the cross this Christmas. My, my whole focus has been on the man on the tree instead of the baby in the cradle. Yeah. Because, and don't mean, don't take away from that. It has, he couldn't have went to the tree. So the significance of the virgin birth and the baby in the cradle. But as we move forward from the cradle to the cross, you don't stay focused on the cradle. Because the baby in the manger couldn't save nobody. Amen. Jesus as a teenager couldn't save nobody. Jesus as a young adult, very young adult, in his 20s couldn't save anyone. He could, there's no reason for the cross. Amen. He had to go to the cross to bring salvation. Without the shedding of blood, no sacrifice for sin. That's why they brought the myrrh to embalm a body, to put on a body. Uh, what, a, what a gift for a king to bring, to give to a baby, is that funeral stuff. It was a preview of what was to come. Amen. Jesus knew it. Eventually his mother began to get it. Peter didn't get it at first because he said when Jesus spoke of being given into hands of those that would do this to him, yeah. uh, he said, be it far from thee. Right. And Jesus said, put up your sword because he did it. He was ready to defend him. And, uh, and he, he fulfilled his destiny. The reason for the season, the reason he came was the cross. And I'm so glad he went to that cross and fulfilled that mission. That's why we're saved today. Too many Christians, I believe, though, are still just getting sentimental feelings, which brings good feelings and deep emotion. But in the time of the falling away in the last days that we are entering into and are in, emotion won't keep you. It's going to take devotion, a devoted heart, a devoted life. It's going to take becoming single-minded. And so I want to bring you just a little bit from the Word. And you say, Pastor, I thought we were going to talk about Bethlehem. Well, we are. And we have been. And a lot of people are. But if, if you keep Him in the cradle, and you keep your focus on the cradle, you won't stand in the last day. Christian leaders are falling on a level that's never been known in the history of the church. Never. They have fallen down through the years. David fell. Uh, amen. Uh, and yet he was recovered, restored, and left a legacy. I appreciate Brother uh, Doug talking about me leaving a legacy. I'm not gone yet, but when I do go, I pray I'm... He wasn't talking about me, thankfully, in the past tense. But I am 75. Praise God. 
Will be in January. I'm going to hold that back just a little. Yeah, a little <laughs> I'm only 74. Boy, I'm. Three score and ten by reason. 74 and no more. Hey, where's Sister Pat? Where's Sister Pat? That sounds exactly like something. She said, hold it, Brother Venable. 74 and no more. Yeah. Amen. Amen. But I'm, I, want, I want to leave a legacy. When, when he either calls me home, if I don't see him coming for me, as we all look for the coming of Jesus. But I have a, I have a heart to see people devote their life to Christ enough to truly follow him. Remember those that follow Jesus afar off. They didn't want to be close enough to be identified with him for fear. It was a dangerous thing at one point to be identified with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you want, to, if you want, to, if you want people to give you a wide, <laughs> if you want them to uh, back away, just follow Jesus. That's all it takes. Yeah. Like somebody said one time, well, I have to give up my flaky friends if I become a Christian. I said, no, become a real Christian, and they'll give you up. Amen. And they will. What what a small price to pay to be ready for the coming of Jesus. Amen. To know you're going to heaven and not going to hell. Amen. That's why the song, I believe one of them that was written was, I can't nobody do me like Jesus. He's my friend. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, let me let me bring you a little bit of this because I just I, I I've got so much Christmas stuff. And, and there's some important things I've been trying to tell you about a manger and what it really was and temple shepherds. It could have been in December. Those were not just any sheep they were keeping. They were the sheep to be offered. And Jesus, once again, the Lamb of God was born. I want to talk to you a minute about the power of a made-up mind. I thought I knew people pretty well. I put confidence in a lot of people down through the years that I have met as Christians. I've seen a lot of people that I had great confidence in and at one time were staunch believers. One time were disciples of Jesus, not just you know Christians in name, but real followers of Christ. And I saw them go through a slow process of losing that steadfastness. The only way to resist the devil is steadfast. In the faith. Amen. Satan goeth about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist using your authority? No, that you can you can't use your authority if you're not steadfast in the faith. Amen. That's a misnomer. That's a misunderstanding. There are people that are not keeping the faith, trying to resist the devil and use their authority over him. Doesn't work that way. Amen. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. It says to submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. He doesn't flee because you have authority initially. That's you can't that doesn't come first before steadfastness in the faith. Praise God, yes. Amen. Remember the sons of Sceva, the seven sons? They, they tried to use spiritual authority by using a name that all authority is vested in. They said, you know, that we're out of work and, and we saw the 
apostles of Jesus, the followers, disciples of Jesus, they were down there casting out devils. We could do that for a fee. People would hire us. They got a, they got a, a they got a kid at home. They can't manage, but cast the devil out of that boy, yeah. that gal, that dog, that cat, whatever yeah. you know. For fifty dollars, we'll we'll cast him out. Seven of them. Yeah. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, decided to go in the exor, exorcism business. Not exercise, exorcism. Yeah. To cast out devils. And they had watched the disciples do it successfully. Amen. By the way, the twelve wasn't the only one have power and authority. That's right. That's a misunderstanding too, and it's preached a lot that that they had this special. But after the last apostle died, we have the word. We don't need God like they, you know. Yeah, we do. We don't need devils cast out because we got Christian psychologists. Yeah, we do. If you're going to be a Christian psychologist, you better know how to cast out the devil. Because when you run into a spirit, you can't handle it with what you learned in college. Now, you can categorize people as a B personality or an A personality or a melancholy or this, that, and the other, but you can't handle spiritual things. And the church needs to understand that the, the devil is not playing. He's serious about our destruction. God's serious about our instruction. Praise God. So we need to wise up, old men of God, today. Hallelujah. I've watched people fall away. I'm watching Christian leaders fall. And they're not just committing adultery or having that affair, getting caught and exposed and repenting. They are renouncing the faith itself. And saying, I am no more a Christian. After standing before a mega church with the congregation and, and, and tapes and television, and now renouncing the faith. That's a deeper thing than just failing like David did in being restored. They're saying, I'm no longer a Christian. I no longer believe in God. Rather than repent and face their sin and humble themselves before the Lord like David did. They renounced the faith, and that way I'm not going to be condemned. And then the great question is asked, were they ever people of faith? You say, Brother Venable, I want to hear about that cradle today. In the falling away, if we stay focused on the cradle, you're going to be part of it. You're going to feel yourself drifting. And I watched people drift. And it was a slow drift. And I watched people exhort others while they were drifting. That's hard to bear. It's hypocritical. To be able to be preaching to somebody else while drifting ourselves, And do nothing about it. And nothing to change it. And it's heart-rending when Robbie Zacharias... I, I used to applaud him. I thought if I had his IQ, his intelligence quotient, and I could be as eloquent as he is, and call on the anointing on top of that to stand before college academics and and defend the gospel as an apologist. Wow! What what an influence Robbie had. Mm -hmm. But when it came out that he was living an entire double life, that his personal life, his private life, he could, he could expound the Scripture. He could explain the Scripture. He could defend the faith. But he couldn't keep 
the faith. That hurts. It cuts to the bone. He even told one lady that if you tell anybody, all those souls that could have been one will not put that trip on her to be guilty. You say, Brother, why are you talking about this? Because there's not a person in this room, including me, that isn't going to feel the pull to move from my steadfastness in Christ. And you're going to feel it. And what you do about it, being saved for years doesn't mean that the falling away won't affect you. But it doesn't have to infect you. Praise God. But you've got to be single-minded. You can't be double-minded. And what we're seeing that's allowing the falling away is double-mindedness. So why are you doing this at Christmas? Because the devil isn't going to take a break because of the holiday season or even the holy day season. And if there isn't a revival in the church to get back to a devoted life, more and more are going to fail and more and more are going to fall. Amen. How are the mighty fallen? That was the cry of David. How could Saul and Jonathan go into battle and be massacred? They hacked them to pieces. They couldn't even bury their remains. They had, to, they had to take the pieces of Saul and burn them, the flesh off the bones, and gather the fragments of bones. And David is in awe. He said, they were swift as eagles in battle. Daughters of Jerusalem, weep, cry out. They, they brought the spoils of their victories and wars and, and you were bejeweled because of their victories. Nobody could defeat them when they were steadfast in the faith and right with God. Amen. But when they compromised, well, where was Jonathan's compromise? He loved David more than a man could love a woman. It wasn't sexual. It wasn't sensual. He loved him. Because he respected him. And, but when push come to shove, his allegiance and his loyalty was to his father, even though his father was trying to kill David and his father was killing the prophets that tried to give him an opportunity to repent. Amen. And yet he followed. His family tie was stronger than his commitment to God or David or the covenant and the faith. Amen. And Jonathan died with his daddy. That was his compromise. That's how important being single-minded is yeah. instead of double-minded. Was he double-minded? Obviously he was. If he wasn't, he would have said, Dad, I love you. I respect you. I reverence you. But I'm not going to follow you into this battle and you wrong with God. That's right. There's a time when you have to get a as for me and my house attitude. Mm-hmm. Right. Can you say, man, regardless of what anybody else does or says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. The falling away is not coming, it's here. Someone was asked a psychologist, Do you have trouble making up your mind? He answered, Well, yes and no. 
Anybody here relate to that? <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to make a decision, an important decision, because, you know, it's, it's important. But when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the faith, we shouldn't have any problem making up our mind. We should have a made-up mind. That's why I want to call this the power of a made-up mind. <laughs> James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8 says, speaking of wisdom, but it's a principle here. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. But, beginning here, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. Let not that man expect to receive anything from God. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-minded. A double-minded man is undecided, therefore unstable. Romans, oh, wait a minute, let me read Psalm 12, 1 and 2. It says, help Lord, and we need this right now. We need God's help. We need God to move mightily. We need a, a mighty revival. Help Lord, why? Because godly man, the godly man ceases for the faithful fail from the children of men. They speak vanity, everyone, with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart they speak. With a double heart they speak. You can sing, Oh, how I love Jesus, get sentimental, even shed a tear while you sing it. You can look at Jesus in the cradle, get sentimental, and Shed a tear. You can even see Jesus on the cross and shed a tear. But unless you're single-minded, when you walk away from that, only thing that happened is that your emotions were stimulated. Devotion doesn't happen when emotions alone are stimulated. And that's why the Bible said, the focus needs to be your heart and my heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Amen. Man looks where? Outward appearance. God looks deeper. He looks upon the heart. In the Old Covenant, Isaiah was prophesying and the people said, oh, we're going to repent. We're going to repent. Oh, you're right. It looked like a great revival was coming to Israel as a result of a great prophet telling them that they needed to get right with God. And they said, you're right. We're wrong. We're going to get it right. Oh, we failed. We failed. We failed. And you know what God said? He said, oh, that there was such a heart in them. He said all of this outward expression of repentance means nothing if their heart isn't in it. Amen. Ezekiel prophesied and people came to hear him. It said they loved to hear Ezekiel prophesy. They loved it. Some people used to come to our church because they loved an anointed message. They loved to see a preacher that got animated. <laughs> Amen. 
I don't mean cartoon style either. I'm just talking about didn't stand stoic behind the pulpit and drawn on. Amen. And they came to Ezekiel. They sensed God's anointing on him. They sensed God's word coming through him. And he thought, man, they're coming in droves to hear the word of the Lord. I'm successful as a prophet. And God spoke to him. And he said, they come to thee as one that playeth skillfully upon an instrument. They love to hear you prophesy. But they're not going to do what I'm saying through you. They don't. Nothing is happening in their heart. They're not going to make any change in their behavior or their life. They're not going to repent. What is, what a, that kind of lets the air out of a preacher that's got a big crowd saying amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. amen. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's just what it's, not you, but you know what I'm saying. Amen. It's true. You, amen. you get, they were amening the truth and they should, but they were not having any change at all. Once again, God says, oh, that there's such a heart in them. If it was coming from the heart, it would make a difference. They're double-minded. They say one thing, they do another. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. Double-mindedness is a sickness of the heart. One might call it spiritual heart disease. Double-mindedness has symptoms like any other disease, and the first and foremost is instability. Instability. You can't be steadfast when you're unstable. Leading tribe of Judah, committing sin, and God tells them unstable. They were the double portion tribe. And God tells them, and the leader of them, he said, "You unstable as water. Amen. Unstable as water. How, how is water unstable? Whatever you put it in, it conforms to. Any kind of container you put it in, it conforms to that container. In the new covenant, we're told not to be conformed to the world. That means pressed into the world's mold. Double-minded people go from church into the world and they're immediately conformed to the standards, the morals, the mores, the, the priorities of the world about them. It makes no difference about the faith. They could never have the authority to resist the devil and have him flee because they're not resisting him steadfast in the faith. And number two, because of the double-mindedness bringing the instability, not submitted to God. God's Word, they want to hear it preached. They want someone to preach it as it's written. They want the truth on Sunday. They simply do not want to submit themselves to the authority of Scripture. And they don't want to be corrected. Don't even try to even instruct or correct And yet the Word of God is for what? All Scripture is God-breathed, inspired of God. His life is vested in it. 
Just like he breathed in Adam and made him a living, so he's breathed in his own word and made it a living word. Hallelujah. It's inspired of God. That, that's deeper than just Him showing them what to, to write down. It says literally in the, in the Greek, it is God breathed. His breath that gave life to that clay form that became a living soul called Adam. By the way, Adam means red clay in the Hebrew because he's a Georgia boy. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He must be red clay. I don't know anywhere else. But it was in the garden. We're right in the middle of a time that if I didn't know the Lord, I'd come to Him. And I have come to Him years ago and I know Him. But I'm going to tell you something. Everyone in this room, myself leading the way, I need to be single-minded. Not double-minded. Double-mindedness means I can do this over here and do that over there. Jesus said there's no middle ground. No middle ground. It's a love-hate. There's not even a like. You know, I kind of like Jesus. But I also really, really enjoy the world and worldly things. But I kind of like Jesus, you know, on Sunday I like to hear about the cradle and I like to hear about the manger and I like to get these these feelings every now and then and maybe even shed a tear. But I'm not submitted to God. I'm not submitted to the authority of God's Word. But I'm not going to fall away because I've been a Christian all of these years. That has nothing to do with the falling away. It could all of that time. I found out something that's very, very true in all these years as a pastor and an evangelist and as a minister and radio and, and media, every chance I can speak anywhere and encourage people to be steadfast in the faith. It's not how long you've been on the road that makes you mature as a Christian. It's how far you've traveled. And the problem is, if we stay at the cradle, we never travel to the cross. If we stay at the cradle, we stay in an emotional commitment. And it has to be deeper than an emotional commitment. Because emotions are like a roller coaster. You can be at a supreme high on a Sunday morning. And you can be, you can, you can, you can be bottoming out by Tuesday afternoon. If your emotions are the only thing that's stimulated, devotion is different. If any man would be my disciple, let him deny himself. You don't do that out of emotion. You do that out of devotion. Let him take up his cross, which means to crucify the flesh and the lust thereof. (laughs) Because you can't follow Jesus without it. For they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And the carnal mind is enmity. And the carnal mind, by the way, is a double mind. Always has been, always will be. So when it says be renewed in the spirit of your mind, what is that talking about? It's becoming single-minded. Get in a different mindset than before you got saved. Mm -hmm. Be no more what? Conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove, which means be an example and exemplify what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Ah, your mind matters. 
Your focus of your mind matters. Double-mindedness. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He is not trustworthy because he's unstable. Confidence in an unstable man in the time of trouble when you really need that person to be there to stand with you is like a broken tooth. Put pressure on a broken tooth it'll with the nerve exposed. You're not going to chew anything on that tooth. My dog had a broken tooth. We didn't know it. It wasn't broken. Something, abscess, something. They pulled it while they had him under doing something else. And you know, part of his meanness might have been because he was in pain. Could have been. A foot out of, like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. You can't put any pressure on it. If you've got a foot out of joint, you're limping on that foot. Confidence in a what? A double-minded man. Unfaithfulness. Instability is the symptom of spiritual heart disease. And it affects the mind. And the mind needs to be renewed. Right. Otherwise, what's it say? Don't be conformed. That word in the Greek means it's like clay or silly putty. You can press it into any form. Don't be conformed to the world. But be ye transformed by the what the renewing of your mind, and that doesn't mean just read the scriptures. It means change your mind about something. If you want God to change you, it starts with you changing your mind. If you change your mind, because He won't force your will, and it's connected to your will. I think you put something up on the website that quoted some great pastor, some great theologian, myself. (laughs) I didn't think it was me. It was so good. This has to be somebody else. You're as close to God as you want to be. I used to pray every time we had a revival, which evangelists come to church. I was in the altar I, I got saved, but I just got in the altar. I got I got in the line when I was healthy. Just to have hands laid on me. I just wanted, and, and since I wasn't nothing wrong with me, I was already saved, I had something that would get me in that line and get me prayed for anyway. What do you need? What do you want God to do for you? Pray that I get closer to God. Pray that I, because I wanted to be closer to God. But you know something? I found out nobody can pray you closer to God. They can pray for you that you will change your mind. Because God isn't going to change you if you don't really want it from your heart. He can't. He won't force your will. Whosoever will, let Him come. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind is to not be double-minded anymore, but to be single-minded. And serving with singleness of heart. You know what single-minded means in the Greek? Sincere. Sincere. You feel me? Do you feel me this morning? It means to be real. We got to get real. This battle is waging. It's real. The falling away is here, and it's real. 
And people with a better education than most of us and, and a background in the gospel are falling. This is real. It's happening. Are you trying to make us afraid? No, I'm trying to get you to be bold. Make up your mind that I'm not going to be a phony. Make up your mind I'm not going with the flow. Make up your mind I'm going to seek the Lord till He come, not till I'm done. But till He come and rain righteousness upon me. I'm going to use some of this time that I have and open my heart to God. Well, when's God going to get in our life when we're so distracted and so focused on other things that we'll end up being double-minded? No transformation will come. It's hard to see people change that are happy where they are. And where they are is so, so different from where God has called us to be. None of us are perfect, but we can be single-minded. We can be sincere. That word sincere in the Greek is sun-tested. Sun-tested. And what that meant, and they all understood it, unscrupulous builders would take a stone that they wanted to use, but it had a crack in it. But they wanted to use it in the building anyway and charge for it. They would melt wax and pour into the crack. And then they would whitewash the stone so you couldn't see the crack. And that was fine as long as they were building in the cool season of autumn and winter. But when the summer heat came, what happened? When the heat came, when the sun's rays heated up the wax, the wax poured out of the crack and exposed the crack and the weakness in the stone. You know what's happening right now? The pressure is on to be a Christian To serve God, the pressure is on. The heat is on. What did it say about the Word of God? It said some people, when they received it, watch this, they received it with joy. Everybody thought, great revival. Clap, clap, hallelujah. Some, when they heard the Word, received it with joy. But when the sun came up, when the sun, when the heat was on, when the pressure was on, when the persecution was on, when the temptations came, they fell away. Because they had no root in themselves. What is that about? They they had been sown on shallow ground. There there was hard clay or rock just beneath the surface. The roots never got down in far enough to sustain them when the heat of the sun hit them. For a while they flourished. And you say, wow, look at all those saved people serving God. And then you turn around and where are they? They're back in the world. They're back in sin. They're back in adultery. They're back in fornication. How did that happen? It looked like a revival. Remember Ezekiel, they come to you as one. They had no root in themselves. That meant this was an emotional commitment. This was not a deep devotion. That's the Bible. That's why the Bible said we're to be rooted and built up. You don't grow up until the roots grow down in devotion. Amen. 
if you're not rooted and built up in Christ, you're not steadfast in Him. And that's why the falling away is occurring. We've got to go from the cradle, emotion, to the cross for devotion. And at the foot of the cross, stimulated by His sacrifice for us, we're supposed to love Him back for loving us that deeply. That kind of devotion will hold you to God. And that's why He put on the website, amen, a quote in one of these powerful services we had right here in our little group of people. Only love for Christ will keep you from falling away. Returning that love to Him is the only thing that will keep you from falling away. Amen. Jesus said, He says you can't serve two masters. You can't be double-minded. For you will love one and hate the other. Hate one and love the other. You can't. It's a, it's, there's no middle ground. And too many Christians are trying to find that fence to straddle. They're in the world all week. They don't even show up to church most Sundays, but when they have, when they have time and it doesn't encroach on their, their value system, which is the world, they might decide to darken the door of a church because they may need God's help someday and they want to keep some little foot in the door just in case as a backup. They're using God for a backup. In case the doctor fails, in case the job fires them, in case the economy fails, in case their body fails, in case the doctor shakes his head and says, we can't fix you. Well, you know, I need a little... I need God as my backup. Well, God doesn't like to be the backup to the world. The backup to all of man's systems. Let them fail and suddenly God becomes important. That's double-mindedness. That's I'm one thing over here, but I'm entirely another over there. And that's what was exposed when the pressure was on of Robbie Zacharias. But it's not just him. We're all in danger of that. Man. Unless we're transformed in the spirit of our mind. Your mind is powerful. Stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Gird up the loins of your minds. Double-mindedness. I didn't know how to describe that. I, I thought, what, what? How could this be? How can this occur? How can this happen? Now I know. And this Christmas, we've got to move, celebrate the manger. But he didn't come to lay in the manger. He didn't come to stay in the manger. He came to be born so he could grow to full maturity. And at 33 years old, let them put him on that cross. And it's what he did on that cross that brings, is supposed to bring a deep devotion to where we become single-minded people and single-hearted 
people, sincere Christians that are committed to follow Jesus no matter what the cost. Can you say amen to that today? Let me finish this in a hurry. You say, Brother Bum is not your average Christian Christmas service. None of our sermons are for average Christians. Everybody's been to the cradle. We know the story backwards and forwards. Now we know about round John Virgin. <laughs> Amen? Amen? We know about that fourth guy that was there. <laughs> but we know something else. We know why one of the wise men brought myrrh. Because Jesus didn't came to lay in it, stay in it. He came so he could grow to full maturity and take the full wrath of God on himself on that tree. And he deserves a sincere follower and nothing less. He deserves it. He deserves it. It's not just that he demands it, which he has every right to. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with how much? What's left over from everything we're trying to fulfill ourselves with in the world? No, with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, that soul part of you is where the single-mindedness comes in. The mind matters. God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a, say it with me, sound mind. Sound doctrine means pure and unpolluted and healthy and holy, but sound mind means disciplined and directed. It's different word for soundness. Looking unto Jesus is not glancing at Him when we're in trouble every now and then. Actually, it would be rendered this way. Looking away from all that will distract. And remember what it said about the Word getting in ground coming up and the weeds killed it? It had a good start. It had roots. The sun didn't wilt it. The weeds choked it out. We need a Holy Ghost weed eater. We do. Yeah. And what are the weeds? They said, what does this mean? He said, when, you, when anyone hears the word and they begin to grow in the, the word and they begin to flourish and they put forth the leaf, they're, they're ready to grow up because the roots went down this time. They were not stolen by the devil. They, they was not out of emotion. There was real devotion here, but there was, there, was a, there was something that came along that the devil used, and they didn't do anything about it. The deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this life, and other things entering in choked the Word and caused them to become unfruitful. With all of that potential. What a tragedy. They made it that far. And they never grew and became fruitful. The, what is the deceitfulness of riches? That I can find with what? Through the material things in life. What only Christ can offer me. And so I'm willing to sacrifice the kingdom being first in my life. To get these things that I believe is going to fulfill me. And that's double-mindedness. That's saying one thing. That's telling a sinner, Jesus can give you 
a new life. Jesus can fulfill you. You don't need drugs. You don't need alcohol. You don't need a needle in the arm. You don't need illicit sex. You need Christ. Come on. And then going right out from talking to that person about Jesus and telling the truth and letting other things and the deceitfulness of riches seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And God said, you know, if you'll get this right, I'll take care of this stuff you need. I don't have any problem with you having a home and a car and, 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 or having, I don't have any problem with you enjoying the Super Bowl or whatever you enjoy. As long as I am, as long as you're single minded, seek ye first. Amen. Double minded people try to have both the cake and eat it too. Jesus said it won't work. If you love house, land, mother, father, sister, brother more than me, yeah, if you don't hate your own life also, you cannot be my disciple and be double-minded. That's what he's saying. That's why they're talking to you about the power with a made-up mind. We used to sing that song, I made up my mind to keep my mind stayed on Jesus. Back in the book of Isaiah, it said, He will keep him in perfect peace, single-mindedness again. Whose mind is what? Stayed on me because he trusteth in me. Hallelujah. He will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on me because he trusteth in me. It spoke of a righteous man talking about single hearted. His heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord He will not be afraid of evil tidings. Boy, do we need that heart condition taken care of. Because every time you turn on the news or crank up your computer, what are you going to get? Bad news. We don't have to stick our head in the sand. We need to get our life arranged right. And we need to fix our gaze on Jesus so that we're not so easily distracted. Why would you say something like that at Christmas? This is a heavy message because Christmas don't mean a thing to the devil. And if you're caught in that drifting, you're not going to quit drifting over the holiday season. You're going to continue to drift. There's something called, and they put signs up to warn, there's something that where rip currents, it's currents that run very strong underneath. You can't see the flow of it on the surface. And they warn people because you get out and there was actually a dog like our dog. I read it recently. It's our breed of dog. It's Burmese Mountain Dog. And it was a rescue dog. And there was a mother and son caught in a rip current. And the man's dog on the beach, the guy was a great big old guy and he wasn't a good swimmer. He couldn't go out and get him. But that dog saw they were in trouble. He tore off. This true story. He tore off, went out there and got the boy and drug him back to where the big man that couldn't get out there and swim got him. And then he went back and got the mama and they give the dog a medal for rescuing a mother and son from a rip current. And the dog had never been... They don't even know the background of the dog. I'm going to give God a little credit on that. (laughs) I think God helped that dog do that. Amen. That was just incredible. 
Do you know what I want to do? I want to help people get out of the rip current. Amen. I want to help somebody get out of the rip current. If I point you to the cradle instead of the cross, the devotion to become single-minded will never occur. And you will drift. That's right. And the current will take you. You don't have to decide. Backsliding is not, I'm going back in the world and serve the devil. No. No. All you have to do is quit going forward. And the current will take you back. When you quit seeking God, the current will take you back. When you quit praying, the current will take you back. When you when you t- separate yourself from other Christians who can encourage you to keep on. That's why the Bible said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some already was happening, but much more as you see the day approaching. You know it's the last day. You know perilous times are here. You know the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. And it says from such, turn away. Get in a Christian community because the next verse says the purpose is not an offering, it's not a building fund, it's not a head count on Sunday morning. It's exhorting one another daily. And to exhort in the context means to strongly encourage one another in right living. Strongly encourage one another in right living. Hallelujah. We need some Christians that live right enough to encourage somebody else to live right. And we need somebody else that needs to get right to receive it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the, I start to say hearty amens, but thank you for the hardly amens. Let's try that one more time. We need somebody that's right with God that is encouraging someone else to get right with God and that person needs to not separate themselves as the manner of more and more is in the last day. For all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, listen, for reproof. If there's something wrong in me, the Word of God's going to reprove it. For rebuke. You've got a bad attitude, Robert. I rebuke that. Who does? God does in His Word. You haven't forgiven. I rebuke that. Reproof and rebuke and correction and instruction in what? In how to believe God and get anything you want and write your own check and chart your own course. No. Instruction in righteousness. Seek you first the kingdom of His righteousness. All this stuff that we think we have to compromise our faith, sell our soul for, said God's going to take care of that. You're not going to do without. (laughs) You're not going to miss something. It astonished. When God's astonished at how man uses his free will to wit God was in Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, and, and he was astonished. What would a man give? How can this be? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? God built, he's profiting, oh, he's prospering every day. His barns are so full that there's no room to put anything else in. What does he say that night? I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm, I gotta have more. 
I gotta have more. I, I'm gonna tear down these barns and build bigger barns that can hold even more stuff. And Jesus stands back astonished at that. It's just how fool. How foolish. Talk about double-mindedness. How foolish. Tonight, your soul is going to be required of thee. Tonight, you're going to stand before God and give an account for what you've done with your entire life. And who shall these things be then? And what value are they going to have when you stand before the judge of heaven and earth? The fear of the Lord is not part of the postmodern Christian church. That deep reverence for God and this acceptance of the reality that there's only two destinations for the human soul to live forever. That's an antiquated message. That's not what's trending. I'm going to tell you right now, we don't need to hear what's trending in church. We need to hear what's true. Can I send somebody amen that? This is about eternity. This is not about this short little trip. And I'm going to tell you, Brother Taylor can tell you. Some of the rest of you, I think Pamela might be able to tell you things too. Except that three score and ten, it comes in a hurry. Forty hits you pretty hard. How many people over forty? I'm just looking to see how honest you are with that. Okay. I really don't want to. No, it's fine. Did you? I never thought I'd be this age. I mean, I got up one morning and said, Look at here. That guy in the mirror, that ain't me. I, I, I hope I never have shaved this beard. There's an old guy under there. <laughs> Cover up part of him anyway. But there's a joy in serving Jesus. Amen. Do you understand how important it is to be single-minded? The power of a made-up mind. Just one more thing. It doesn't mean anything, but James 4, 8, because it had already started to occur in the first generation of Christians. The answer for it, purify your heart, you double-minded. In other words, you get it right in your heart, you're going to be single-minded. Get that devotion in your heart, you're going to become single-minded. Let this mind be in you which was also in Jesus Christ, who made of himself no reputation. He became single-minded. In fact, when he went to the cross, it said of him prophetic that he he said, I'm going to Jerusalem. They said, you know what's going to happen? They're going to capture you. They're going to do harm to you if you go there. But he had to go there to get to the cross to fulfill his mission. Mm -hmm. And after he left the garden... And there was, there was a chance for double-mindedness in the garden, wasn't there? He said, this is tough. I'm not going to say this isn't going to be tough. I'm saying it's necessary. It's needful. It's beneficial. 
It's vital. It's critical. It's crucial because people you and I know are falling away. And anyone, regardless of how long they preach, how anointed they are in danger of it, mm-hmm. unless we get single-minded. Amen. Remember the song I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. And I made up my mind to keep my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Can you say that? Hallelujah. I woke up this morning with my mind. Say it with me. Stay on Jesus. You know what that means? Looking away from all that will distract. And setting your gaze on Him. Consider Him that suffered such a great contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you become double-minded. Listen. Lest you become weary and faint in your own mind. It's too hard to follow Him. It's too hard to commit unto Him. I can't do that. I can't put the kingdom first. I'm not even going to try. I'm a hopeless case. No, you're not. But He needs your permission and your cooperation. You know what happened in the garden? It said Jesus' soul was sorrowful unto death. He asked for support because He was in one of these. How many got a flesh vessel? You're not Superman, Superwoman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Robin. You're all together human. Jesus walked in an altogether human body. And He asked of all people, one of the most vacillating people among the disciples, Simon Peter, who was double-minded, but there was an antidote for him. i got to get to the antidote because I, I, I feel it right now. I, I, want, I want this. I want this renewal. I want this revival. I want to be closer to God when I leave here than I was when I started this journey. Can you say that? Hallelujah. And I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a legacy. Praise God. I want to, when I'm dead and gone, if time continues on before Jesus comes, I want somebody to take courage from my own life and commitment to Christ. Not just my preaching alone, my teaching alone, but my life. I want it to speak. And I want it to speak loud. I require more than some of the degree in theology. I, did, I don't go to church for trivia. I don't, I don't want to hear about things that I can't apply. We're in the rip current and we need a rescue. And God needs our cooperation to rescue us. Because there's power in a made-up mind. Can you say amen? In the garden, he asked Peter to pray. Peter goes to sleep doesn't support him. He's in there alone. He feels the weakness of flesh. He understands us. He knows what's coming. The Bible said it wasn't just the pain. It was the shame. He endured the cross despising the shame. The holiest of all human beings. God in flesh. He's going to be stripped naked. 
He was going to be hung on the cross like a malefactor. His visage marred more than any man's. He was going to experience on that cross, Eloi! Eloi! Lama sabachthani! My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? If I ever needed to sense it in Pilate's halls, everybody else distanced himself from him out of fear. But he said, my father's always with me. But on the cross, when he that knew no sin was treated as a sinner so we could be forgiven our sin, God could not comfort him on that cross and did not. And Jesus died as a lost man Mm -hmm. on that cross. So lost men could be saved. What a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. In the garden, the decision was made. But there was a contrary thing going on. Amen? I'll show you the power of a single-mindedness of Christ. He said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Single mind, The power of a single mind. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will be done. And the Bible said after that, He set His face like a flint, an adamant rock, to go to Jerusalem, which another way of saying, when I get there, they're going to get me, they're going to arrest me, they're going to take me and put me on that cross, and I know it's coming, but it isn't going to stop me. Thank God He was single-minded. Someone said it this way, while He was on the cross, we were on His mind. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. For the joy that was set before Him. What is it? It's the bride. There's a growing company of believers around the world that's going to make up the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's going to be a marriage supper. Hallelujah. And He's going to see what His sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Talk about a legacy. <laughs> Talk about joy. Look at the Who are all these people? John is seeing people dressed in white robes and they're coming out of every quarter, every tongue, and every nation. Who are these? These are they who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, by the way, when you make up your mind, when Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done, in one of the Gospels it said, and angels came and ministered unto Him. They didn't do anything to take away the pain because He had to suffer to pay the debt. You know what they did? They gave Him enough stamina so he could be beaten like he was and not die before he hung on the cross and shed the last drop of his blood. They strengthened him enough not to pass out so he could experience every excruciating moment. And they helped him to keep his resolve to go to that cross. He had supernatural support to die, but he didn't have any support for the suffering while he was dying. 
that deserves more than double-minded, half-hearted, double-hearted Christians that refuse to put his kingdom first. You know why the kingdom isn't first? Because the king is no longer first. Because there's nothing mystical about the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing mystical about the... It's spiritual, but it's not mysterious. A kingdom is simple. It's where a king reigns in undisputed authority. I don't dispute the lordship of Jesus. I have problems with carrying it out because I have weak flesh that I have to crucify to do it. But I don't have any problem with Him being my King. How about you? How about you? Do you have a problem with Jesus' Lordship in your life? Are you double-minded? Does His Word matter to you? Does His instructions change anything in the way you're going to live your life here on out? Can you be taught? Can you be instructed? Can you be rebuked? Can I? Can I be reproved when I open the book and open my heart? Is there anything I can change? I can change my mind. And when I change my mind, God has permission because my will has now been executed. And when I will to serve Him, He will help me find a way to serve Him. Can you say amen? That's why He looked at Peter. Peter, couldn't you watch with me one hour? If I ever needed you, I need you now. Never need you like I needed you now. And there you are asleep. One hour is all I ask of you. The Spirit is indeed willing. The flesh is weak. I'm so glad God understands. He's not not telling you it's okay. He's telling you deal with that flesh. Crucify the flesh and the lust thereof. Quit giving in to it. That's double-mindedness. And double-minded Christians are falling away. Because if you're not single-minded, if you're not devoted to Jesus, you're not going to stay close to Jesus, and you're not going to be steadfast in the faith. And Christian leaders are falling. And church leaders are compromising and letting in sins that God said would He brought fire on Sodom and Gomorrah and their church leaders embracing it. Seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. You have to resist the devil, the deceiver, the liar one way, steadfast in the faith. In order to do that, you've got to be single-minded. Jesus set His face like a flint and God, through Christ, completed a rescue mission. Because we couldn't save ourselves. Amen. Amen. Colossians 4.22 Servants, obey your masters according to the flesh in all things, not with eye services, men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Doubt is another symptom of double-mindedness. It cannot be cured by just building up your faith. Rather by making up your mind to believe. You're going to use the faith you have. Jesus said, this faith to move a mountain, it's, it's not about how much faith you got. It's deciding to use the faith that you have. It's making up your mind to believe. 
Lord, by now he stinketh. Well, change your mind about it. If you don't change your mind and act on the Word, you're not going to see the glory of God here today. I'm ready to show it to you, but you've got to roll the stone away by faith. Faith has to be in operation. They that come to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Roll the stone away. By now He stinketh. Well, make up your mind. You're not going to go by reason. You're not going to go by logic. You're going to obey the Word of God. Amen. What happened when they, by faith, rolled the stone away? Did they have to do anything else except obey that simple command of the Word? Not a thing. They didn't have to raise the dead. They had to obey God so Jesus could raise the dead. Amen. When they rolled the stone away, it wasn't a stinking old decaying body that came out. That's right. It was a man that had experienced resurrection power. Hallelujah. He'd come hopping out with grave clothes, wrapped him up like the mummy. Come hopping out of there. And Jesus said, man, that man wants to shout. Well, I'm adding, I'm adding a little bit to the world. But he must have wanted to shout. I mean, he was laying there graveyard dead and he jumped up. He was down in paradise and come back in his body and said, Lord, have mercy. What's going on here? And what is this on me? Set me loose. I've I, I, I got to shout. I've got to give God glory. And he's hopping around like the mummy. And they said, loose him. And let him go. <laughs> and I believe when they let him go, I believe he did the chicken dance and the Holy Ghost run at the same time. Amen. He just experienced resurrection power. You think he was nonchalant? Well, I just want to say... That I was dead, but now I'm alive. Oh, hallelujah. God is so good to me. I believe I'm going to sit down over here. I, I tell you, it was rough getting out of them grave clothes. No. No. You ever, you, you ever get revival, resurrection power? Come on, you. You know what we need to get off of people? The grave clothes of that former old life. Yeah. We need to get some people set free. By the way, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth. You'll become single-minded. If you continue in my word, you will know the truth, not just intellectually, but experientially, and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Initially, double Mindedness renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then, because you're single-minded, everything else that binds you and blinds you is broken. Every other chain breaks. But it doesn't break until you change your mind. Because if God changes your mind, He's manipulating your will. And when He created you in His image, He gave you something of Himself. You know what it is? If you want to go to hell... God cannot and will not stop you, though He wants you saved enough to give His Son for you. But if you're determined to go to hell instead of heaven, He will not stop. He'll put barriers in your way so you can change your mind. He will surround you with situations so you can change your mind. But to pray the sinner's prayer, you've got to change your mind in order for God to change your heart. Amen. And the target of the devil is what? He's blinded the minds of men. The pride, the stubbornness. Wow. When Peter fell in love with Jesus, when he loved Him back 
for patiently pursuing Him and forgiving Him and still wanting to use Him. Shallow emotion was replaced with true devotion. Remember shallow emotion? They might forsake you, but I'll never forsake you. I'll never deny you. Jesus saw that shallowness of emotion, that double. He knew He was going to be double-minded. Still loved Him. Wanted to help Him through it. Get Him devoted and single-minded. <laughs> and He said, before that cock throws in the morning, you will deny Me thrice. You talk about an example of double-mindedness. Simon Peter, hey, there's hope for you. Amen? There's hope for me. Because He was one of the loudest He swore with an oath for fear of being identified with Jesus. And they're taking Jesus to the cross and it looks like it's all over. And he said, I swear. And and, and we think of swearing with an oath but using a four-letter word. No, he did something worse than that. He swore in the name of Jehovah. I never knew him. And that was forbidden for a Jew to do that. I never knew him. They said, your speech betrays you. You're one of them. Yeah. And Peter went out and did what we need in the church. Real repentance follows real remorse. He went out and wept bitterly. And Jesus didn't want him feeling so condemned he's going to give up. He wants him to change his mind and get single-minded. So on resurrection morning, he tells Mary... Go tell all the disciples. But he singles out one of them that's hurting the most because he's the one that failed the most. And Peter. Why single out Peter? Because if Peter knows that Jesus is alive, he can come to Christ and say, forgive me, Lord. And he knew Jesus well enough to know that he could and he would. (laughs) And when he was forgiven, instead of judged and disqualified, he loved him back for loving him and devoted his life. Peter, do you love me more than these? You know everything. I'm not going to say something. You're, I know you're looking at my heart, so I'm going, to, I'm going to measure my words right here. I'm not going to be that facetious, presumptuous guy anymore. You, you know I love you. You're looking right in my heart and you see it. You love me more than these? Then feed my sheep. I want to use you. Do you love me, Peter? Peter denied him three times out of emotion. He confessed him three times out of devotion. (laughs) Can you say amen? Three times he asked him, three times Peter affirmed, I love you, Lord. He said, go feed my lambs. And Peter went and gave his life as a martyr while preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And history has it, ancient history, not scripture history, that he asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't feel that's devotion. I'm not even worthy to be crucified exactly like my Lord was. So they inverted his cross. But he died in the same agonizing death and he did it without evidently he kept the faith just like Paul, I'm ready to be offered up. (laughs) Talk about single-minded. I'm ready to be offered up. Amen. Reference takes you to the drink offering poured out to the last drop before the Lord. I've kept the faith. I've fought a good fight. And there's a crown laid up for me. 
And not only me, but all those single-minded brethren. Everyone that loves His appearing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everyone that says, even, even so come, Lord Jesus. We can't wait. Hallelujah. There's hope for us today. But in this service right here and right now, we have to change our mind in order for God to change our life. Is there anything, this is the pointed, pointed question to me first and to anyone who would join me in this. Is there anything in your life that you could and would consider changing your mind about? And let God tell you what it is and how to, because He loves you. I love the way Spurgeon put it about this Jesus going to Jerusalem. He commented on Jesus setting His face like a flint to go to Jerusalem and die on the cross. And this is what He said. I love it. He said, Oh, you redeemed ones. On whose behalf this strong resolve was made. You who have been bought by the precious blood of this steadfast, resolute Redeemer. Come and think a while of Him. That your hearts may burn within you. And your faces may be set like flints. To live and die for Him who lived and died for you. Hallelujah. Boy, that set my soul on fire. Can you say amen? amen? But you know what you've got to do to do that? You've got to move from the cradle this Christmas season. It has a place, but there's no salvation in a baby in a cradle. But there's salvation in the man on the cross. And devotion is not to a baby in a cradle, but to the man who took our punishment and our place. And when someone is devoted to Him, you're not going to get caught in the rip current that is pulling people back into the world and away from God. You're going to be rescued. You're going to be one of those different Christians that don't run with the crowd of compromisers from such turn away. Can you say amen? And if someone is a brother and they're living in abject sin, don't with one such a one not to eat. Right. We're talking about come out from among them and be you separate. Don't be mean. Don't be ugly. Be different. Amen. Then you say, man, if we don't have that, more and more are going to fall away and fall away and fall away. And God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. If you will bring this up, we're going to pray in just a moment. But I want, I want a particular song to close with, if it's on the second part of this. Uh, okay, back back up, I think. Oh, no, no, right here. You had it. Right No, right there. Right there. Hallelujah. Once again, i just like a show of hands. His hearts are open today. Last night as I looked over 46 years of sermon preparation, 46 Christmases and 46 Christmas sermons. I had a lot to draw from. Not just my stuff, but stuff I got like Spurgeon and others commenting on verses. We could have had a great Bethlehem cradle service today. 
If we were not in the midst of the perilous time, the seducing spirits, the doctrines of devils, and the falling away, that would be perfectly fine. We could get real sentimental because we're already devoted. Yes. Amen. But we are in the perilous time. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We're in the last day. Seducing spirits are everywhere. Deception mm-hmm. is everywhere. And Christians have to get single-minded to stand. Yeah. Having done all, yeah. stand. Right. Whom resist, steadfast in the faith. Yes. Amen. Heart fixed, trusting in the Lord. Yes. Can you say amen? I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. How many want to get sold out right now and single-minded? Let's see. I want to be single-minded. I want it to start in my heart, and I want it to flow out into my life. Hallelujah. Let's just let this song put a seal on it today. Hallelujah.